0: find in your bulletin our summons to the word and uh, it will be a brief word uh, this evening but if you have that in your bulletin it's taken from Isaiah 66 to prepare us to receive uh, this uh, this what is truly the authoritative the inerrant word of God taken, again, taken from Isaiah 66 let's read these words responsibly this is the one whom I look upon with favor declares the Lord the one who is humble and contrite in heart Period. And who trembles at my word. Our scripture this evening is taken from First Thessalonians. It's on page 1020, or 1020 in your Pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along the blue Bibles you've got in front of you. Again, that's First Thessalonians chapter 5. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Thessalonians, uh, again, chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. These words, uh, these closing words of Paul's reveal a way of living that flows from the gospel itself. And that gospel, at the heart of the gospel, is the notion or is the, the reality of a gift, of a gift. Kids, I don't know if you're already thinking about Christmas, but we love the greatest thing about Christmas is what? The gifts, the gifts that you get. I can remember hovering over the Christmas tree as soon as the gifts were there underneath, looking at me, which one, wondering what could it be Anticipating, waiting and waiting for the eternal December to come to a close, and so I could that day would be there. And and this notion of gift giving is is central, again, to the Christian life. I don't know. I, I when I was in um, I think I was in elementary school, I went off one summer to camp, to a Christian camp, and I was gone for the whole week. And I came back, and um, I walked downstairs to my, my bedroom. And there in my bedroom uh, was a brand-new bicycle. It had a bow on it, and it wasn't my birthday. I hadn't done anything to deserve it. There was, there was nothing, there was no expectation of anything. But my parents just decided. I, I rode my bike everywhere. I all around, I'd ride my bike all around the, the city of Billings. And they decided that it was time for me to get a new bike. And I just remember being overcome with this sense of a gift that I didn't deserve. I came overcome with this sense that that there is someone in my life who cares deeply for me, someone who has is thinking about me, wanting the best for me, and realizing that I that's it's this is this is my lot. This is my. This is the life that I have to give it, to receive a gift like that that you know is undeserved, that is meant for you impacts you it, it changes how you live your life and, and these these exhortations flow from that idea of the giving of a gift. Does that make sense? Let me just make a, a quick contrast. I can remember also as a kid, there were times when um, we had a number of cats growing up. Sometimes we'd have two cats at the same time, and they were outdoor cats. They would come inside or something, but they were outdoor. They often they would let them out at nights during the summer, etc. And you know they would be out doing their thing in the middle of the night, you know, stalking or whatever, and uh, uh, preying upon field mice and whatever. And uh, not 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 regularly, but ever so often, I would be uh, leaving for school, and I would open the door, and I would look down at the mat. And one of the cats would leave a gift. <laughs> and usually it was, I don't want be too graphic, it was like a, you know, a dead rat or a bird or something like that, you know, often even like a little bird, you know, like this little chick or something like that. And, and, and it's just it's a moment of, Buster would never do that, right? Because Buster's this great cat, and you realize this cat's a killer, right? And, 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 but all that aside, you realize this this gift for you that you think, that is the last thing that I want, right? And, and it's, it's, it's a gift that, that you're thinking, this is, this, is, this is not at all what I want. And sometimes God does that in our lives, doesn't he? He brings something to us, and we think, are you kidding me? You call this a gift. And so the, the, those, are, those are the two ways that God often works. That's our new bicycle. And we realize it's so undeserving, so good, but other times it's a gift that we think, are you kidding me? This is not what I asked for. I wasn't hoping for this. This never thought to, to occur to me, to, to ask for this. And that's what's often so beautiful, that God gives gifts as a father, that he knows what we need, and he knows what we need before we ask him. And so when, when we live in that, in that reality or in that, that knowledge that we have received something we don't deserve, it gives us a sense of responsibility in our life. For example, kids, when I got that bicycle, I had to decide how I was going to use that bicycle. Would I take care of it? Would I, would I, um, where would I go with it? Who would I see with it? There are things I could have done wrong with that bicycle. I could have gone places that I wasn't supposed to go. There's a sense of responsibility that comes with the gift. And in chapter 5 here, verse 15, we see these exhortations and they're based on this notion of a gift. Look at verse 15. It says, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Paul is saying, listen, you have lived a life where you have gotten something that you didn't deserve. You have been forgiven. You have been shown mercy. You have been treated in ways that are completely opposite of what you deserve. How could you ever Pay back wrong for wrong. How could you ever give someone their just desserts when you in no way will ever get your just desserts? How could you give someone what's coming to them when you know that you will never ever get what's coming to you, what should come to you? And so you have this beautiful exhortation that says, no, do not return evil for evil. Do not return wrong for wrong. And he says, instead what? But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. There's something so liberating about this. When someone has wronged you, when they have sought evil against you, when they have sought to destroy you, to tear you down, to misrepresent you. Those moments, that desire for reciprocity, the desire to to return in kind, are so strong, aren't they? They just suck you right in. But what if, what if we can look at the reality of the gift that we've been giving, how undeserved we are to receive that gift, and then, and then this is so beautiful, to look at that moment of being wronged and see it as a gift. How? It becomes this opportunity to show the very grace, the very love that we ourselves have received. It's an opportunity to love our enemies in a way that they will never see coming. (laughs) Right? To totally out of left field, from the blind side, kill them with kindness. And respond in a way that says, you may curse me, but I am determined to bless you. It's liberating, it's empowering. Instead of being controlled, instead of being lost in anger, frustration, woundedness, self-pity, seeing when we are wronged as an opportunity to do what is good. Always strive, says Paul, to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Verse 16 and 17 speak of a life that recognizes that we have a beautiful, beautiful Father, a, a merciful Father who wants to hear from us and is showering us with good gifts, a Father who's ever present in every circumstance, working his mysterious but ever good purposes. Look at verse 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks. In all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, in Christ Jesus. I can remember a uh, story uh, from a missionary uh, Christian mission, a missionary a missionary alliance uh, m- uh, medical missionary, and he shared about how his parents themselves were missionaries, and he was a young man. And I want to say that they were missionaries in Laos or somewhere in Cambodia, somewhere in that area. And he was, uh, had lived among them, had grown up with them in that area, and then had been sent off to college back in the States. And it was there in the States in his first or second year of college that he received news that his parents had been murdered uh, on the mission field. And in fact, the... the, the um, it wasn't the president or the provost or one of the main uh, administrative leaders of the, of, the, of the college called him in and, and told him the news. And he said, In that moment, I was filled with such anger and with such rage at, the, at, at, his, at those who had murdered his parents. And he says, I went back to my dorm room and I got on my knees and I cried out and prayed and said, God, how could you do this? Why would you do this? I didn't even get a chance to say goodbye. I didn't even see this coming. I had no idea. And then he said, the most amazing thing happened. It was, she said, I heard a voice that seemed so distinct. And it was this. God said to to him, I want you, David, David, I want you to thank me. And he said, Guy, I can't. There's no way. And the voice again, David, I want you to thank me. He said in that moment with tears in my eyes, with doubt in my heart. to God, I don't want to, but I, th- I will thank you for this. In all circumstances, I will give you thanks." And he said, "And in that moment, there was a freedom, there was a peace. there was a life." He said, "It felt like resurrection life flowing through my veins." There was communion and intimacy with God. When we look at the hardships in our life and we're with tears, willing to say, God, thank you. That is a life that flows out of the knowledge that he is a father who knows how to give good gifts. And again, it's not pithy, it's not pious, it's not happy, clappy Christianity. It's not a pretense that things are fine. It's not a pretense that we can see God's fingerprints in everything. We can't. There are so many things we don't understand. We'll never know. Maybe someday he'll let us know. There are so many things that are just deeply, there's a sense of just loss and heartache and an evil, and it just seems to, to grab us by the back of the head and just carry us wherever it wants to. Right? So I'm not denying that, but there's still the sense that even in those myths, to stop, even in those circumstances to stop, and to say, God, you are the giver of all good gifts. And I want to give thanks to you for this. This is, what the gift, this is what gift giving is all about. To live your life recognizing that everything is a gift. And that gift implies a God who cares about us and knows us, a father who is thinking about us, right? I'm, my, I'm, I'm off at of camp. I'm not even thinking about anything. I'm just doing my thing eating as much food, playing as much, you know, playing as much as I can, meeting kids, having, and my parents are back there saying, wow, what could we do for Bruce? What would he enjoy? I know, let's get him a new bicycle, right? That's how our God is. He's thinking about us, about, for our, about our good, about our future, wanting to shower us with gifts, gifts that at times may seem like a dead, a dead bird or something like that, or a dead mouse, but that he has good purposes and good intentions for us. Let me just close with this. Uh, this, uh, over the last few weeks or so, I've mentioned this a few times, and I'm mentioning again. I've been, I've been volunteering at the hospital. We live a, uh, just I mean, a stone's throw from Mercy South, right near the YMCA, and so I'll go over there and uh, just do pastoral care, visit you know different patients, and you knock on the door and you just walk in and you just say, "Hey, I'm from the pastoral care team, and I'm a volunteer and uh, I'm here to just, I'm not going to poke you or prod you or anything like that. I'm just here to to listen if you'd like to talk to someone, and I'd be happy to pray for you. And sometimes they just send me right out the door, which is just fine. Other times, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I am just. I might say, look, you know me from Adam. I don't know why you want me to pray for you, but I'm happy to do so. And um, and sometimes they send me out the door. Other times they pour out their hearts to me. And just today, this afternoon, I was over there, and a uh, man in his late 40s or so, very difficult circumstance, he he uh he just asked me he um I, I prayed for him and then he paused and he started he teared up and he said i'm ashamed to say that i don't know much of anything about jesus do you mind telling me about him and i said <laughs> i said i said um and, it's, and this is I mean, this is, may sound uh strange but often in moments like this i will actually look for opportunities to to for, for levity to make good jokes and something sometimes you know that situation's it been a long time uh, since they've laughed and i said you know he's really not that interesting let's talk about something else <laughs> and then he in the tears he started laughing and i said okay we'll talk about jesus and and, and as we talked to shared the gospel with him and just to see the tears roll to see god meet this man in this hospital in this hell hellish situation and to see him and to hear him pray a prayer And the the moment he, when we finished, he looked at me and he was overflowing with thanksgiving. Just so deeply aware. He says, I don't know where you came from. I don't know how this happened. He says, but this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I never thought it would happen. That's that's God taking a dead mouse, right? A dead bird and turning it into a bicycle. And that's the essence of our God. He's a a gift-giving God. He knows how to give good gifts.